Welcome to Stock in Development, the podcast where two media strategy nerds dissect what's developing in the world of entertainment. I'm your co-host, Eitan, and I'm joined, as always, by Carl. Hey, Carl. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy almost Hanukkah. Yeah, happy, happy holidays. That's the inclusive term for our non-Americans and our non-Christians. Yes. Judeo-Christians, yes. Happy holidays. Uh, I... I don't really have I don't have any exciting developments on my end, but I'm wondering if you had anything exciting happen to you recently? <laughs> I don't know if it's in the world of entertainment, but it's entertaining. Yeah, Ariella, I guess since since it's from me, Ariella and I we got engaged this past weekend. Woo! It's pretty good. Congratulations for the listeners. It wasn't in a movie theater. <laughs> uh, it wasn't at the bottom of did... a of a taki flavored Sinopolis popcorn. It wasn't, but by the way, I texted my brother today <laughs> to ask him to get us tickets to the opening of Avatar because I want to get some good some some of that popcorn. But no, I was gonna say that day in the morning we did go to Fenway Park to the Red Sox Stadium for something super random, and I joked throughout the day of like, "Hey, do you want me to propose in in Fenway Park? Should I propose in Fenway Park?" And it wasn't, but it was later that day. So you're saying it wasn't a curveball to be proposed to uh, yesterday? Exactly. No. Yeah. I think it was. It was. Uh, I think she didn't expect it, which was nice. It was very Aussie. It was very spontaneous. It was very authentic. I think for us, and I think we made the week of the random passerby that we stopped to ask her to take us pictures, Aww. and then surprised her and Ariella by going on one knee. Congratulations. It's so exciting. And thank you. I'm so glad it went off without a hitch. I mean, I guess there is a hitch in the end, but not quite. All right. Uh, my, my attempts at yeah. bad puns and segues are, are not <laughs> over, but I will transition it to being more about our you know normal topic here. So this week, we're going to have a, a shorter episode, just kind of a catch up. Let's start with our Twitter Twitter. Uh, the Twitter Twitter, it seems like Twitter is devolving into the worst parts of Twitter, mostly. <laughs> I was I was so excited that there were like a couple of days, like last week, where there wasn't that much drama. And then it feels like it came back with a bang. Yeah, I... It's just been the normal Elon up and down. You log in and he's tweeting about I don't know, Hunter Biden's laptop or whatever. And But I think the, the most notable incident I want to talk about is... His first salvo against free speech by rebanning Kanye West. It's it's uh, you know you asked me I don't know if it was on the last episode but in one of the last episodes how some of this stuff came across to me and I think I think Kanye's interview with Alex Jones was like the first time that I was like mm-hmm. oh boy yeah <laughs> oh okay <laughs> yeah this is. This is getting um, a bit real, and uh, the what? What's the best way to say it? Like the, um, let's just say the areas where Elon was trying to gloss over by just saying free speech, free speech, mm-hmm. free speech. Generally, not only about Kanye, it started to show like very clear and very radically, both in terms of how radical was what was being said, but also in how. Like, 
Radiant the Fire was. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, outside from that, you know, there was this story that Apple had stopped advertising with Twitter. Then a next a day later, Elon tweeted a photo from Apple Park. Yeah. Then apparently there was a report yesterday that Apple is completely back advertising 100%. And... Which, the best I can figure with that is that the reports are from Elon, so who knows how trustworthy they are, but Apple hasn't disputed them. But Apple also doesn't seem like they would wade into this publicly because they don't want to have a statement on any of this. It's, this is definitely one of those positions where you and I are very anti quote unquote free speech dog whistling right like we we don't think that this free speech that elon's up in arms about is actually an issue that is something that should be weighed in on by the u.s congress or, or anyone else that said we're also in agreement that apple's overreach as a company in terms of the access to people's devices and the distribution platform that they manage to any iPhone is extreme. So this is an interesting position where, from my perspective, Elon's very wrong. But Elon's so wrong that he ends up being right again in terms of, yeah, Apple shouldn't be able to dictate the existence of an entire tech platform. But Elon Musk also isn't doing anything for real free speech. He's just enabling people who want to tweet swastikas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about a similar thing where... It, it, I think we were talking about it from like... I remember it was like a like a personal meeting or something that was very underwhelming. And we were saying it was so underwhelming that it was not underwhelming. <laughs> or if it had been a little bit less underwhelming, it would have been a bummer. Uh but yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. Where he's coming around uh, by by chance into something yes. that makes sense. It's like watching watching a movie that just feels like it doesn't exist. You know, it's like I want it to make me mad because it's terrible, or I want to make it make me at least happy because I liked it. <clears throat> so I, I think that's a good segue for a film that America for is... cats for cats hitting HBO Max this past week. Oh, I did not know. I mean, you know, I I turn to my Blu-ray edition every time I watch Cats, right? Well, now now you can also... I, I haven't checked if it has, like, a director commentary or something. Well, you probably have it in the Blu-ray. Uh, yeah, I, I do have the director's commentary and all the special features, which... If you need a laugh, or not even a laugh, it's more like the Scott's Tots episode of uh, The Office, where it's really sad, so you can't laugh at it. Just watch all the special features on the Cats disc where they're talking about what a visionary film this is from tom hooper and it's oh my god it's not good uh oh my god sorry interrupted yeah my 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 segue though was to strange world a a film that i think neither of us has seen right no haven't had a chance and a film that i for one am waiting until it hits disney plus and i'm going on a plane to see probably (laughs) sure which probably now it's going to be like in two weeks i do want to try to see it on theaters just because i'm a I guess it's both a mix of a fan of animation and this seems to be with animation as a medium because we've talked about how animation yeah. is not a gen- a genre but it's a medium that, that I want to see it in a big screen. Uh, it also has a character whose name is Ethan which I'm very excited about. 
Um, but yeah, I seem to be one of the only persons in the world that is uh, interested in watching this movie in theaters, unfortunately. This is why I don't know if unfortunately. I think this is just a, a world, word of mouth or lack thereof word of mouth casualty here where I don't, the trailer looked cute. It's an interesting premise. I'm seems kind of a I'm not going to say throwback because this is an era Disney wanted to leave far in the dust that this is actually accidentally resembling. But this feels like a throwback to the Treasure Planet or Atlantis the Lost Empire Atlantis. days. Yeah, yeah. Which if I'm a if I'm a Hollywood executive, I would probably look at this and say everyone hates animated adventure films. That is not the case. The highest graded highest rated animated film of all time is Incredibles 2, which is pretty squarely an action adventure movie. That said, this movie is looking as of right now like it's going to take at least a 150 million dollar wash. Yeah, it has netted less than 50 million at the box office, less than Fox, Fox Searchlight's class comedy, The Menu, which I think is hilariously notable because they came out the same week, and I'm sure Disney did not expect the film from the director of Succession to outperform their flagship release in terms of animation this year. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of those... Um... Disney animation is also one of those things that I was thinking if there are any, you know, almost like learnings or trends, you know, where, of course, they had like, you know, the Frozen 2s, yeah. which is like, oh, they can only do sequels. But at the end of the day, like, you know, Tangled, Frozen, Big Hero 6, but like, let's say the big ones, right? Moana, like they've been new movies yeah, that have been very successful. Um, this might just be one of those swing and a miss that I think just makes it more special to identify those runs of the Disney Renaissance or the Pixar's of, you know, 10 years ago that makes that so unique and so incredibly special. Um, but it's also something that, you know, I, this is not directly connected, but this was the movie that was on production the two years that JPEG was mm -hmm. the... CEO, this is one of those things that I, I mean, I, I don't want to read too much into it, but um, the um, it, it's something, it's all, it's truly something that I don't want to read too much into it because I don't think it speaks, you know, necessarily too much about this. Last year was Encanto, which still is freaking playing everywhere, and next year they might completely be back on top. Uh, but as as it, it had been, I mean, when, when was the last time that this happened? Well, this is actually what I was going to say. is like, I don't know if Raya would have done similarly if it had come on theaters. And we'll never know. I don't know either. I think that... So, again, sight unseen here, only going off of reviews that I have access to. The common refrain is, this is fine, but it's nothing new. Which does feel like quite a few of the movies from Disney I've seen in the last few years. I am pulling up Strange World on IMDb right now because one stat that has been thrown is that this is the first Disney animated film to receive less than an A- minus cinema score. And I would really like to see here, because looking at this curve on IMDb, which I use IMDb to judge the non-critical establishment and, and what they think, 
50% of the votes are for a one, which I'm assuming that that just means that people had problem because there's an openly gay character. But I, yeah, there I'll, was I'll some, keep digging some, some into <laughs> Yeah, there was some something about review bombing there at the beginning where it was even so many people leaving reviews that based on the box office, it was like, this does, you know, make sense? The math doesn't work? Yeah, it, basically, the review bombing does seem to be p- completely bad faith, conservative, social um, justice complaints. Yeah. But that said... There are quite a few reviews that are top reviews here that are like five or six. And it's like, yeah, this was fine. So maybe adjusted curve here. It's fine. I don't know. We yeah. we might see it. <laughs> we'll let you know. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this, but if, if I can, I mean, maybe this is going to make you cringe and you're going to hate me for the rest of your life where you might want to end up this podcast. But what I was thinking this weekend is that Disney for the past two years, I mean, for the past 20 years is where they've been trending. But when we talk about how they've gone kind of blockbuster-centric, basically only blockbuster, and the yeah. depth of the middle movie that now the menu is, you know, coming back to say, is that they are taking an approach that is like a VC approach, mm-hmm. which is saying we're going to invest a lot of money in things that have the potential to be a billion dollar plus. Yeah, And some of those will fail. But as long as we are right more often than not, it's still it's still... It's still fine to have write-offs of $150 million because the bets that we're putting out are so large where Disney can look at their Q4 and be like, I don't care about Strange World doing like this because we have Black Panther that is going to do insane. We have Avatar coming in three weeks. And the menu is the one that it's even overtaking things. It's like, you know, uh, it, it's, it's not a great way to look at it. They should still hold that creative bar of like, if there is something wrong here, we should, you know, try to make it better. But then becoming top heavy this is kind of an expected scenario where if yeah. things don't go well they're gonna flop a lot because they spent 200 million dollars and but at the same time it has a chance of making a billion plus and if at least in their math if they had spent 40 million dollars on it it would not have it would not have gotten there either so they're waiting for some of this to really really hit do we know how much Raya made in revenue from the Disney Plus Premier Access release? I don't believe so. I think they, they released a metric. I don't remember if it was like views or households, but when you bought it, you could watch it for like, you know, a couple of days and people probably reviewed it many times. Okay. So I have right here something, an article from Entertainment Strategy Guy. So one of our Ooh, love him. favorite people here. Okay. So... Looks like the comp here is 1.2, 1.8. Let's say 2 million, okay? Uh, 2 million units of Premier Access were sold for Raya. That was priced at $30, right? $30, Okay, yeah. so the net take-home there is 60 So that is higher than Strange World, but it's also a scenario in which people were not going to theaters. People were excited about a, a piece of Disney content. Um, and Disney's taking home more money from Premiere Access, I would assume, than they are from the, the theatrical release here. That said, I bring this up because the last time Disney released a movie with a thud in the fall, it was an animated movie, it quietly became a hit because of a song being super popular. 
that doesn't have <laughs> this doesn't have Bruno and any songs in it to my knowledge. But you named a theory that our podcast has been espousing ever since after this movie. So how does this movie prove the Encanto paradox or disprove it? I think I think proves I mean, first of all, to your point, we need to get it to get Disney Plus. I don't know if they've announced when it's gonna make it, but it's based on how they've done it. It's gonna be the right Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, probably right Christmas. Christmas break is when when it's gonna explode. But I think what this proves is that even in the worst of circumstances, you're gonna get a movie that is gonna make where where did you say it's now? It's close to fifty close to fifty globally. Okay, let's say it's I don't. I, it's not it's, it's forty-two and a half, close. but close to fifty. Okay, forty-two and a half. Um, I think there is some discounting that we have to give them because apparently the backlash in, you know, the countries that are not willing to show pictures where there is a, not even an openly gay character, just one that. I mean, he says that he has a crush. Is it, it's it's guy. It's Disney once again but, saying that they have an openly gay character, and it's yeah. Okay. I think cool. I, from I what I understand, that. this Great. is like this is more central, and he talks about it many many times, and it's part of the core thing is that he has a crush on a per on you know, okay. but it's it just never a thing that is like that's better. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, you know, if that closes the Middle East, if that closes Russia, well, Russia is close for everyone. If that closes China, if that closes a couple of things. But let's just say 70, right? Yeah. That's extra money that they wouldn't have gotten if it was in Disney+. Plus. And I don't care. Like, so far, they haven't showed us that the stuff that they would have made directly for Disney+, Plus would have been cheaper. So it's also that that counterfactual argument doesn't exist. And going back to some of the stuff we were talking about two weeks ago, I... Th- I truly think these shows, everything is going to theaters now. We're not making the menu shows. Why would you not try? Yeah. Like, why would you not put them out there? And we talked about, like, the the two weeks ago were Disenchanted and Hocus Pocus. Like, why on earth were they were Disney Plus originals? It makes no sense. And... um. I think that's what we're seeing. I'm very curious to see what happens with this movie when it hits Disney Plus. Or if it's like, yeah, this wasn't a great movie. And because this, I think, Encanto, when Encanto came out, a lot of it wasn't about the movie being bad. It was just like, yeah, it's COVID. Why right. should have gone to Disney Plus? This one has more of an undercurrent when there, even there, if there is a ton of, like you mentioned, review bombing. People don't seem to like it as more as much. So I'm curious to see how it hits when it hits Disney Plus. Where if it hits Disney Plus and it's still humongous... I think it talks both about the theatrical distribution, but also about how people are going to watch Disney animated movies, no matter what. Yeah. Totally in agreement with you. Uh, I mean, I did give you a leading answer here because I tried to give you a comp up front of what Raya was. <laughs> a layup. But absolutely. Like, this is just money that they were leaving on the table no matter what. If it's a movie that's received... This middlingly, it would have been received this middlingly on Disney Plus, and nobody's going to sign up for Disney Plus to to watch it, and or people aren't going to be tempted to keep Disney Plus because they watched it and, and want to keep it an extra month. So this is all extra money, and like you said, 
movies like the, the menu that would have been released straight to Hulu a year and a half ago are now being released in theaters and pulling in the same amount as this. So I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah, very curious to see. So we do want to end with our AUA section slash our AUA spoilers. This is going to be our wow section. So what are you watching? But that said, real quick, I wanted to touch on one last news item, which is changes to the Oscars telecast. Have you seen these yet? Oh, yeah. No. I was actually going to ask you about it. So I guess it fits under the uh, our AUA. Okay. So... My answer to your question about what are the changes to the Oscars yes. telecast? <laughs> They're undoing everything. There's no dumb fan award. They're televising every single award in the ceremony this year. Does this change anything for Oscar? I don't think so. <laughs> I think this makes people that were going to watch the Oscars no matter what happier. Which is I agree. Me. There's, I there's nothing about streaming rights for it, by the way. I mean, I'm not surprised. These are people are infuriating. But the, um, did they save their coding anything else to make up for it? They, Speech they times, did not. monologues. Okay. Nope. No info beyond that. Uh, it seems like they're still looking for a host. And uh, the last time Disney tried to televise a live event on Disney Plus, their CEO got fired. So I'm assuming they're not going to try it again anytime soon. Incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. I started watching it the other day to see if I could tell anything. I watched the first 20 minutes of the concert. You can watch the replay. Um, it's so fun. Um, yeah, no, we'll see what happens. I truly, I truly, I truly wish they did something interesting with it. I do too. But alas, okay. probably won't. Okay, so yeah, what are you watching? So the biggest thing I watched was that I went out of my way to go watch Knives Out, Glass Onion, in theaters a couple of weeks ago. And let me tell you, um, Netflix was very quick to say on the record that they probably made a mistake by not keeping it higher in, in more theaters for longer. Because Knives Out... I mean, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it only premiered in 600 theaters, I believe. And it only premiered, I think it was like a five-day weekend. It wasn't even a full week. It was from Wednesday, <laughs> the Wednesday of Thanksgiving till Sunday. And I think domestically still made like $15 million. Yep. So I'm saying. So if you extrapolate, if you extrapolate that to 3,000 theaters... You know, it, it wouldn't have been linearly because of people that would have gone watched more likely to go watch it, they still went to watch it. But that would have been at least five times. So a 75 million opening weekend. Not bad. But the spoiler for review is that even what I was thinking about what to write you, you know, any types of hints about how the movie is structured, it's kind of a spoiler that I don't want to give. What I would say is, you know how the best types of, um, like the best type of sequels, build on top of the things that made the first one great, mm -hmm. and then expand it into new and interesting areas. The only thing that I would say is that it definitely expanded and approach the storytelling from a different perspective. It didn't. It didn't do it in the direction that I thought it was gonna do it. 
So I'm curious to hear your thoughts when it actually comes out, but it it, al it allows a lot of like a lot of things feel more similar to the first one than I thought they were gonna be. It's still an incredibly fun movie. It leans significantly more into the comedy. Cool. Like it's way more comfortable than the first one into like making it even more. The theater was full. The theater was laughing. Um, I rewatched. I when I came back home on Thursday, we made like a very simple Thanksgiving, and Ariela had some friends over, and we just rewatched the first one. So it was interesting to like see them back to back, and um, it's cool. You can tell it's a COVID. Uh, I think you know this, but I thought it was gonna be like in Greece, but it's in an island. Okay. Yeah. So like it, it has a feeling of um, they they actually mentioned the pandemic, which is great, and and I can't wait to watch it again because now just like the first one, once you know, and I guess with any who done it, once you know what happens, you can't wait to go rewatch it and try to see if you can identify what happens. So something I do know in a vaguely spoiler way, but I'm not sure how this plays out is that in addition to them leaving a lot of money on the table, it seems that there's great irony to Reed Hastings saying that Elon Musk is the bravest, most creative person on the planet and releasing Knives Out that week. I would say that's very fair. Yeah, cool. Excited to see. I, did, I did come out. I did come out of the, the, the theater and I told my friend like, wow, this couldn't be more like, exactly when it was released um i do wonder if when it actually comes out on netflix in christmas that is still like center of the culture world where people will make the connection but uh you i think you'll enjoy all of that side of the story as well cool excited to see it in two three weeks whenever netflix decides to release it unless they put it in theaters which they should what I watched this week was I, Alex and I are playing a little bit of theatrical catch up. The, we watched two movies from this award season. We watched Bones and All, the new Luca Guadagnino cannibal road oh, yeah. trip romance. Was it? Loved it. Shocked that I loved it, but loved it. I'm middling on Suspiria. I like a bit bigger splash, and I really like Call Me by Your Name. And I okay. thought this one was. People can have complaints about the two lead performances being kind of wooden. By people, I mean my wife and some critics. But I really liked the lead <laughs> performances. I'm mixed on Timmy, but really liked him here. And it's both more and less graphic than expected. Mark Rylance is probably my supporting actor winner this year so far. He plays a very Stephen okay. King and like vague antagonist character. So... I very much rec recommend it. It's also one of those movies where I'm watching it and I'm like, who did the score? And then I hear like a certain synthesizer noise and I'm like, oh, that's totally Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. And it was. And it was a good score. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that they're going to be up right up there. Yeah. It's again excellent score by them. And kind of treads new ground for them too. The other thing I watched was Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, which mm, you I know that I was very excited for. And... Uh oh, there are Alex uh -oh. and I talked about this afterwards. The film that this film reminds us the most of is Elvis, the Baz Luhrmann mm. movie. I was I was gonna say you had exactly the same reaction where you're gonna say there is a great movie in there. 
and there are scenes that are great, but yes, yeah. the average quality of this movie to me is like a four star movie, as opposed to a okay. what I said three three and a half for for Elvis. But when Elvis hits, it hits so hard that it's like some of the best filmmaking I've seen this year. When the Fablemans hits, there are some amazing sequences and images and vignettes within the film. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't like. The film doesn't add up to be more than the sum of its parts to me. And I think the other point of comparison is Michelle Williams is the runner-up to the award that I'm giving Tom Hanks this year that I have yet to name, which is person that comes in and ruins <laughs> every single scene they're in, which I was really <laughs> disappointed by. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. I'm in a minority there. and Most people like her in the movie, but... I think she was doing something that felt halfway between Liza Minnelli and um, Ellen Burstyn and Requiem for a Dream. So not for me. I thought it derailed everything. But there's some good stuff in there. Emotionally good movie. John Williams is giving us nothing in terms of of his final original score. But it's all right. It's time for him to retire, I guess. It's very sad. Yeah. Uh, Fablemans, you can watch on a plane. It's fine. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. That's disappointing. No, it's okay, because when I thought about the end of the year, my three things I want to watch in the big screen are Fablemans, Avatar, and Babylon, which is starting to get some reviews, and it sounds like it's all over the place. Yeah. But I'm so excited to spend three hours with colors and sounds. Um, <laughs> you just described the, 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 all the, movies, but yes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what he does, no? Well, him specifically, but the... The one thing before we close, going back to Glastonion, I had a hot take. Yes. A hot, a hot prediction for the end of the year that I want to put in the record. Glastonion comes out on Netflix December 23rd. There is a movie on Netflix that comes out December 25th that I think is going to beat Glastonion in number of... I don't know how they measure it in terms of number of minutes viewed because I don't know how long this other movie is. And I think this other movie is going to beat Glastonion. This movie is Matilda. The musical i've yes I, i've been curious about this this seems to be i've seen the trailer i've not seen the trailer but i've seen the buzz okay. from people seeing it in international markets and loving it in a theater so yeah I, i'm curious to see if this further confirms that the release strategy for knives out was a huge disaster for them it looks amazing it looks great and I, I don't know if you know the story of the musical, but it has this very weird story that it was produced in London by the Shakespeare Company. And when it was brought to mm -hmm. the U.S., it was this weird thing that they wanted to sell it to the highest bidder. And the Los Angeles Dodgers won the baseball team. Apparently, they had okay. this small production. And then the establishment got very angry. And Matilda didn't win the Tony for Best Musical. It went to Kinky Boots. And the story is because the Broadway oh. establishment was angry at the process and that it drove... Matilda not becoming a bigger musical because it's incredible. I highly recommend listening to the soundtrack for the for the Broadway show. This was directed by the director of the show, choreographed by the show, and it looks fantastic. And I I truly wonder what's going to happen that week because it's it's so it looks so great and I love a good musical. So rooting for that as well. So what I'm hearing here is that the Broadway establishment is Miss Trumbull and. The LA Dodgers are Miss Honey. Sure. Cool. Great. We'll unpack that metaphor more next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you have that second, listen to Revolting Children. That's the name of the song. That you should listen to on the word for your dinner tonight. Revolting in my dinner, do not uh, 
you know, go well together. But I trust. They are revolting, you. like like a revolution, not like ah, a revolt. I see. I I assume that this was from Trumbull's perspective, who you know hates children. Okay. Well, no, 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 no. I will listen. I will get back to you. And until then, thank you everyone for listening. Well, talk to you next week. Bye.